our strength and closing our right mind. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for giving us this privilege to assemble together and to worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for your word, which is our guideline from earth to glory. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the one that is present, and we pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that had the desire to be here, but for some reason wasn't able to be. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for providing us with food, clothes, shelter, transportation, and financial means. But most of all, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace, your Son, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who freely left his home in glory, came to earth, lived, died, and were buried and rose again on the third day, according to the scripture. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the blood that he shed, that he purchased the church, that we are a member of. We pray, Heavenly Father, for every church door open and every person proclaiming your word this morning. We pray, Heavenly Father, for each and every member here at Inglewood Church of Christ and their family. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will look down on us and bless us with the thing, Heavenly Father, you know we stand in need of according to your will. We pray, Heavenly Father, that your will will be done here on earth as it is done in heaven. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's walking in darkness. We just pray, Heavenly Father, they will see the light and come to the light before it's everlasting too late. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the sick and the shut-in all over the world. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will look down and bless them with the thing you know they stand in need of. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's working on the front line. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue protecting them as they do their job and keep them from any hurt, harm, or danger coming to them. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's traveling. We pray, Heavenly Father, they'll get to from their destination safe without any hurt, harm, or danger coming to them. We also pray for the bereaved families all over the world. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will look down and comfort those families and strengthen them, Heavenly Father, in the way that only you know how. And Heavenly Father, when we think, say, or do anything contrary to your word, we pray, Heavenly Father, you will forgive us and won't hold it against us at the judgment bar. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the ones that that teaching your word today, that proclaiming your word. We just pray, Heavenly Father, that something will be said where someone will ask what they must do to be saved. And we also pray, Heavenly Father, that we'll love each other more and more each day. And we also pray, Heavenly Father, that we'll be a better Christian today than we were yesterday. And we say a special prayer for Brother Cole Pepper. He come deliver us the bread of life. We pray, Heavenly Father, we'll listen to what we'll listen toward eternity. Because these will be eternal matters he will be delivering unto us. And not only listeners and hearers of his word, Heavenly Father, we just pray, Heavenly Father, that we'll be doers of his word. And we also pray, Heavenly Father, that this witcher service will be done decent and in order. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that it will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. 
And Heavenly Father, when we done come to the end of our journey, said our last prayer and taken our last breath, we just pray, Heavenly Father, we'll hear those wonderful words. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Come on in, get your mansion, your robe, and your crown. All these blessings we ask in your Son, and I will save you, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Please turn to page 957 in your faith and praise books. Once again, that is page 957 in your faith and praise books. This world is not my home. Once again, that is page 957 in your faith and praise books. Father, let us sing. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through, and my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue, and the angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore, and oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. And if heaven's not my home, and then, Lord, what will I do? And the angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. They're all expecting me, and that's one thing I know. And my Savior pardoned me, and now I onward go. And I know will take me through, though I am weak and poor. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. And oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. And if heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? And the angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Just up in glory land we'll live eternally. And the saints on every hand are shouting victory. And their songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. And oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. And if heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? And the angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Amen. Please turn to page 589 in your faith and praise books. Once again, it's page 589 in your faith and praise books. Leaning on the everlasting arm. Once again, that is page 589 in your faith and praise books. Follow that sing. What a fellowship, what a joy divine I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. And what a blessedness, what 
is mine, I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. You know that we're leaning on Jesus, we're leaning on Jesus, we're safe and secure from all with God. Uh, we know sometimes we may get to the end of our energy at the, the end of our strength. Uh, but Isaiah makes it very clear in Isaiah 40 that we need to understand that we serve a God who gives strength and power to the faint. 
He gives strength to those who have no might. When we're at the end of all that we can do, God is still God still has resources uh, to get us through uh, the toughest times, the lowest times, uh, the most complex of times, the most difficult of times. We know that God still has the power to make it through. I remember that Paul says that he has seen many things in his relationship with God, but he knows how to both suffer want to suffer need, to abound, and to be abased, but he says whatever, whatever situation he may find himself in, he's learned how to be content because he knows that God is able. He said on another occasion, I know, and I'm so glad that we can read the word of God and find these scriptures of encouragement, for he says, I know in whom I have believed, and I know that he's able, amen, to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. We know that day is the day of judgment, uh, for there's nothing more important in the life of humanity than to be prepared for the day of judgment. Uh, just like we prepare for all the other things of life that we desire to achieve and to acquire, uh, there's one thing of life that we must never neglect nor forget that is most important, and that is prepare for the day of judgment. Uh, Paul says in the Hebrew text, for it is appointed unto man once to die, and then after this, uh, the judgment. And so we want to know and make sure that we understand that we know in whom we have believed. And so that's why we lean on the everlasting arms of God. Uh, because we know uh, that he is able. I want to ask that you turn to Hebrews chapter 1. I appreciate so very much the brethren that have come before me and have rendered such a wonderful worship services uh, unto the Lord. And, and certainly... Uh, you adding your voices in prayer and uh, in uh, singing of the song uh, has made the worship, worship services what it should be. Uh, for we worship God in spirit uh, and in truth. And that means that we worship according to what God has given us in his word. Uh, we lift up his voice and uh, our voices in uh, song, he, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, Colossians chapter 3. Uh, we read his word. Bible says in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, whereby when you read, you shall understand the knowledge of the mystery that be in Christ Jesus. We preach his word, as Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. Preach the word, the instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. And so we do these things according to God's word. We take of the communion because God says it is upon the first day of the week. Uh, that is, every time the first day of the week arises, uh, we ought to be in worship, and we ought to be able to take uh, and ought to be prepared to take of the communion uh, of our Lord and Savior, as it is represented by the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine. And so, these are the things that we do. We confess Christ if there are those who believe in His Word and desire to change their life. Uh, we confess His Word. We confess that we believe in Him, as the Ethiopian eunuch did on the road to Damascus, and Paul, uh, Philip, rather, asked him. Uh, uh, if you will, uh, when the Ethiopian eunuch said, see here is water, what does hindereth me to be baptized? Philip said, if thou believest, thou mayest. And the Bible says they both went down uh, in the water. Uh, that is not the only example, obviously, because we have many examples throughout the practices of the apostles. The book that we call the book of Acts shows that even on the day of Pentecost itself, when the apostles, the representation of the church were being added to, the Bible says that they were being they were repenting and being baptized for the remission of their sins. 
it would mean added to the church, added to the body, such that should be saved as those that should, uh, would be saved. And so we recognize that all that we do on the, this day, this wonderful day of worship, uh, when the church comes together, uh, we lift up God's name in praise, singing of song, praying, and reading his scripture, preaching the word, confessing our faults, and, uh, and, and committing our lives unto him uh, through the watery grave uh, of baptism. This is what worship is about. Uh, it is about recognizing all that God has done. Uh, and so we look at the Hebrews text in Hebrews chapter 1, and it really emphasizes why it's so important that we recognize the testimony of the seed. Uh, because remember what we said earlier and what we'll continue to re repeat over the next uh, 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 several Lord's Days that remain in this year, about three are remaining, next, next Lord's Day will be the second Sunday, and, uh, and we are now, if you will, uh, headed into the end of this year and, and, and looking forward, if God bless us to live, into the, into the next year of 2022. But as we close out this theme, dealing with the seeds of the sower, we are closing out the subject uh, the testimony uh, of the seed. And that testimony is identified as the testimony of Christ. Uh, and, and, and it is important that as we uh, once again present the outline that we began with, the God's right hand and the right hand of righteousness is where what we're concluding today and getting into the right hand of salvation over the next several sermons. We, we, we recognize that, that, that uh, the, 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 the authority and the power of all that we do uh, uh, in worship, in the life of Christianity, is based on Christ. Amen. It's not based on how we want to do it. You know, you know, it's not like what James Brown says: "I want to get up and do my thing." No, you can't. You can't. You can't do that when it comes to Christianity. Amen. Amen. We we have to do Christ's thing. Amen. And and we know that to be the case because in Galatians chapter three, uh, as we had led into this discussion at the beginning of this whole theme, uh, using Abraham as the backdrop. Because Abraham is the father of faith. Amen. Abraham is the father of faith. And so when you see Abraham, and Abraham, as you know, we've read it, we've studied it, and we've preached on it. Uh, Abraham, it was imputed unto Abraham righteousness because of his faith. And so we, he became a friend of God because of his righteousness. Uh, it was imputed unto him righteousness. And when imputed means, it simply means added. It was added to him for righteousness because of his faithfulness to God. And that's why when we quote scriptures like Romans 10 and 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. We look at Hebrews chapter 11 where the roll call of faith as we have described it to be, uh, which contains many uh, uh, various uh, examples of humanity uh, that have been faithful uh, unto God in their dispensation. Uh, and so we call them the roll call of faith. But, but uh, the essence of it is, is that it was by faith that Abraham moved forward when God called him to go. Uh, and he called him to come out of something and to go into something. And, and that, that, that's, that's key as we begin to wrap up righteousness and, 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 and get into salvation. God called Abraham out of something into something. And, and, and that's, that, that's key. Because a lot of people think that, you know, you're, you're, God calls you and you just go into anything. That's not, how, that's not how it works. Amen. God doesn't call you out of something to throw you into wherever you want to go. You know, that, that, that's Burger King. You can go get what you want at the, uh, you know, at the smorgasbord or whatever, at the, uh, when, when, you, when you can pick and choose what kind of meals you want, all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to salvation, God calls you out of the world. He calls you out of the world of sin. Amen. 
He calls you out of uh, the, the field, as we preached on last Lord's Day, Matthew chapter 13. The field is the world. And within that world, there's this good seed, the children of God. And then there's this, the seed of the wicked one, that is of Satan, the devil, Lucifer, if you will. The angel that fell and was cast out of heaven because of his, uh, uh, his uh, 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 disobedience to God. Along with all those uh, who uh, uh, conspired with him. Uh, to try to overthrow heaven, amen. Uh, it was thrown uh, out of heaven by Micah, uh, the archangel, and others, uh, and Gabriel. And so we, 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 we see then that uh, when, it, when, when we are called out of the world, amen, we're called out of sin, we're called out. That is the whole concept of the ecclesia, the church, the church of Christ, Matthew chapter 16 and 18, is that we are called out of something, and we're called out of something into something, amen. And so when the gospel calls, uh, as, as, as Paul makes it very clear in 2 Thessalonians and also in Romans chapter 1, when we are called out of the world, we are called to let go of those things which are contrary to God. Amen. Being called out of the world doesn't mean that you stop believing that God created the world. Amen. Uh, being called out of the world doesn't mean that you stop believing that there, there's a galaxy. Uh, you know, sometimes science wants to contradict religion. You know, if you, if you believe in science, you, you, you can't believe in, 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 in God. And if you believe in God, then you can't believe in science. I, that, that's the most incorrect statement, incorrect statement <laughs> that somebody would want to make. Because let me tell you something. The very fact that you believe in the things that God created is the beginning of you believing that there is a God. Amen. Because you didn't create it. Somebody created it. Amen. You know, but, you know, that's the way the world wants you to think. They think they want you to think that there's a contradiction. Amen. There's no contradiction to believing that through the intelligence of God, he made photosynthesis a process whereby plants, if you will, absorb the sun rays. And then through their processing of those sun rays, then emit the proper oxygen levels for us to be able to breathe. I think that's called a system of perfection that only God can create. Amen. Uh, and, and so anyway, we, we, we find ourselves. That God has called us out of something. He's called us out of the world. But being called out of the world doesn't mean that you dismiss those things that God created of the world. Amen. He created man from the dust of the ground. Well, what was that dust of the ground consisting of? Amen. God's creation. God created the earth. Lord have mercy. It wasn't in existence until he said it was coming to existence. And so God created those things, and he created man from it. And when God created those things from the earth, he said, if you will, when he created man from the dust of the ground, the Bible says that he created something that was good. Amen. God never created anything evil. Amen. And I want to make that very clear. God didn't create evil. Evil became part of the acts of Satan. Satan brought in wickedness. Satan brought in sin. Amen. God created free will, free will even among the angels, for them to choose how they would live, how they would exist. Nevertheless, we find ourselves, if you will, God showing that through the, the book of Genesis, he created the world and all the things that he created from the beginning were good. Even woman, the, who was created from the rib of man. The Bible says that Adam said, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she came out of man. But God called her something very special even before Adam named her and called her name Eve. God said she was very good. He described how she is before him. 
And so God gave us this and he gave us this idea of being called out of the world because what he's saying is you're called out of, you don't stop being a part of the world, but you're called out of something that is in the world that has separated you from God. When you're called out of the world, he's not talking about being called out of the earth. He's not talking about somehow you physically, if you will, are, are now not a part of his creation. What he's saying is he's calling you out of sin. He's calling you out of that which has separated you uh, from him. He's calling you out of that which has uh, been identified as the influences of Satan, those things that Satan has left behind. Satan brought in lying and cheating and stealing and murder. Satan brought all those things into place. God didn't bring that into place. Even even the very element of of creation, when, when God made man, God gave man everything that was in the garden, every fruit of the tree, every animal was under the, the, the dominion of man. Everything was under man. God gave them all unto man, amen, except for that which was in the midst of the garden, which was the tree of, uh, of, the, of the knowledge of good and evil. He told him, he commanded him that thou shouldn't eat of that tree because the day you eat thereof you shall surely die. And he was speaking of it from a spiritual standpoint. But with that being said, we're called out of something. And what we're called out of is sin. We're called out of darkness. We're called out of the wickedness of life. And we're called into the marvelous light. We're called out of that into something. We're called into the marvelous light. As Colossians chapter says, we've been come out of darkness. We've been called out of darkness. We've been transformed, translated out of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Not not just thrown out into the everywhere and to do anything and to go everywhere but when it comes to belief and understanding having a belief system we're called out of the many uh, ideologies of the world that are contrary to God and we're called into the one faith the one teaching the one doctrine that God has left behind through his son Jesus John chapter 12, verse number 48, we quote it all the time and probably don't quote it enough. But remember when Jesus says, he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word has one that judgeth him. For the words that I have spoken, the same are going to judge you in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but that what the father has told me to speak that I spake. You know, and so Jesus himself makes it very clear uh, that the word that he has spoken, the word that calls us out of darkness and calls us into the church is of the Father God. Is of the Father God. And that's why when we quote it and we continue to quote and show the relationship and the relevance of 1 Corinthians 15, 24. And I said it, I read it in, its, uh, uh, in almost in its entirety last time because I wanted to show you that the authority that Jesus functions under is the authority of the Father. It's the authority of the Father. Uh, and, 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 and now that uh, in this Christian dispensation, in the dispensation of Christianity, which is uh, uh, since, the, since the, the coming of Christ, amen, uh, and certainly uh, uh, the perpetuation of the Christian dispensation until he comes again. You see, there's no one else coming from heaven that's going to die and to bring a word. Jesus has already brought the word. For he is the word of God. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, dwelt among men. He let us know that he is the Word. There's, there's no other Word coming from heaven. Christ is the Word. 1 John chapter 5, 
verses 1 through 8. There are three that bear the record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit. God has already given his Word, and he's given his Word through Christ. And so knowing that this is the, this is the authority that now exists upon the face of the earth, 1 Corinthians 15 and 24 helps us to understand as we read it, if you will, uh, uh, during our last sermons, we read it so that you can understand that the whole idea of Christ's coming and his manifestation, being born of a woman, being born in due season to, if you will, call people out of the world and to call them into the church is by the authority of the Father. Jesus says in John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5, I have come to do your will. I have finished the work that you have given me. Now give me that which I have had with thee from the beginning, which is to restore him back to heaven's glory. But he had done the work. He had done what the Father had given him to do. He has spread it the word of God, John chapter 16. He had given it to the apostles. The apostles are, are and have been a preach, preaching God's word. And when they have finished preaching God's word, it was solidified and canonized in the writings of what we call the New Testament text. And now when people read the word of God, they are reading the authority of the Father that came through Christ. The testimony of the seed is about the authority of Christ. It's about the authority of Christ. And when Christ says, I have come to to, to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, you have to understand that he is not doing that of some subjective idealism. He is doing that because the Father has given him the authority to build the church. He has the authority. He has the authority. And when we understand that, then, 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 then it helps us to understand that, that any belief system that is outside of the authority of Christ does not have the authority to exist. It is now a subjectivism. It is based on what Satan wants you to It's that seed that Satan planted that people succumb to and and with all due respect and with all understanding, all of us, all of us were tricked by the influence of Satan. Amen. From the pulpit to the pew. That's why the word of God is so important. Because the word of God is the light that turns on in our era of darkness to show us what the truth is, to show us where the authority is. And that's what this is all about. It's not about, it's not about eloquence. It's not about uh, 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 charisma. It's not about the, 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 the presence of who has more affluence or influence. It is about the word of God and whether or not that word has authority. Remember Matthew chapter 7 with the testimony of the seed when the scribes, the lawyers, those of affluency, riches, and wealth were gathered around Jesus and they heard him speaking. At the end of his recitation, they said, he speaks not as a scribe, but one who has authority. And that's what, that's what this is about. When you talk about the testimony of the seed, the testimony of Christ, the seed, Abraham's seed, 
Not the seed as of many, but the seed as of one. And that seed being Christ. That is what is so significant. If ye be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed. And as according to the promise, that heir is an heir to righteousness. The heir is an heir that gives you access to the, to the, to the gift of salvation. It is these things, uh, if you will, that, that uh, these things are the things that we focus on when it comes to uh, uh, obeying God and understanding that from our obedience, we must in, in endeavor to make sure that our obedience stems from he who has authority. For it is Christ that sits at the right hand of God. It is Christ that has all authority. Okay, so that should bring us. Uh-oh, oh, there we go. All right, so that should bring us. We, we, we talked about God's right hand. I, I just did a, a quick synopsis to give you a refresher of, 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 of his position of honor, his position of authority. And, and, and so we're, we're, we're now at that point where we are wrapping this up. And, and, and so I want to give you that. I want you to hold on to those things. I want you to keep, I want you to stay tethered uh, to this, this, this testimony of the seed. Because, I, you know, I don't care what, it is, it is interesting that as generations come and generations go, the influence that is left behind by Satan may describe things differently, but it's the same old stuff, right? Let me be more clear about that. Um, we have religions that have evolved in their name and descriptions because of various reasons, social issues and um, uh, the political uh, associations and uh, the influence of those who may be part of this religious movement or belief system has made it as if it is, in fact, the truth. But in any of those errors, in any of those uh, uh, ways, we find the most egregious error. And that is they cannot remain consistent with what the word of God teaches. And that's where the problem is. And, and so it's important that we understand that, 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 that the testimony of the seed is bringing us out of those various idealisms and bringing us back to where salvation is. And salvation is in God's word. And this is Christ's testimony. So who better to bring to the witness stand than the father himself? I think the father knows who his son is. Amen. Who better to bring in the discussion, the conversation, than to bring in the father and have the father say why Christ has authority and why we should believe him and why should we follow him? In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 1, we find some very interesting words. These words are being written by Paul. If, in fact, you believe that Paul is the author of this text, we believe, based on the information that's been presented, it is a 
reasonable belief to understand that Paul would be the author of such a text. That being said, let us spend some time with understanding the significance of the origin of this text as he writes to the Hebrews. Now remember we talked about Abraham, the father of faith. Well, Abraham in the book of Genesis, in Exodus, was, was identified as Hebrew. As a matter of fact, when you go back and read it, you'll identify that he was the first one that was ever associated with the idea of being a Hebrew. So we go back and we're looking at now those who are identified with Abraham. But remember, Galatians chapter 3 says, if you be Abraham's seed, then, uh, if you be Christ's, I'm sorry, if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so we recognize then that when Paul writes to the Hebrews, he's not writing to Hebrews in general. He's writing to Hebrews in specific. In other words, he's talking about those who have let go of the things of the world, even Judaism, and have embraced Christianity. And now they need to be undergirded. They need to be supported. Because they, look, they have turned their turned away from the thing that was in the world, and now they have turned to that which is of God. And that's where the challenge is. Because remember, at one time, one time, uh, uh, the, 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 the uh, Ten Commandments, which many of you <laughs> limit your understanding of the Ten Commandments to the, the Decalogue, right? You know, the Ben-Hur movie and all that other stuff. You know, I can guarantee you there are more than Ten Commandments that God gave the children of Israel. But with that being said, the old law in its totality were given to the children of Israel, Deuteronomy chapter 5, and it had more than 10 commandments in it. Maybe that's their biggest problem. They only stayed with the 10 commandments. But the book of Leviticus has plenty of commandments that go beyond the 10. Ceremonial law, social law. All kinds of laws were given, commandments of God. That being said, we find ourselves with Abraham, if you will, and the children of Israel being of that lineage of Abraham and, and being, if you will, uh, 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 identified even within the uh, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jacob having the, son, the sons of Isaac and, and then the sons of Jacob, you find within there, if you will, the evolution of, uh, of, of Judah, which is one of the sons, which then gives us... Christ. But with that being said, the Hebrews are associated with those who have come out of the belief systems that had now become worldly. Unfortunately, Romans chapter 10 helps us understand when Paul writes to the, to, 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 to the church at Rome, he says, brethren, my prayer to God is that Israel might be saved. For I bear the record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they have gone about trying to establish their own righteousness. Lord, have mercy. And they have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of, uh, that is of God. It's all right to say amen. When, when the word of God is true, you say Amen. You don't have to clap and run up and down the aisle. You just say amen. Amen. You, ju you just concur with what the word of God says. It's true. 
When Paul says that his, his prayer uh, and desire were for Israel to be saved, and he said he bear them record, we bear a whole lot of record. We bear record that people have religious belief systems. Don't, look, look, don't deny that which is factual. What's true is true. Identify it as such. Don't get into this wilderness where people say, oh, there's no truth in the world. There is truth in the world. Amen. Don't, don't, don't go down that road. Amen. There's truth in the world. And you want to start with the biblical text, that, that's a good place to start. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So when people say, oh, you, you don't know what truth is, here's a, let me, let me, you say, wait, hold, hold it. I don't know what book you've been reading, but I know one you should be reading. Because the Bible is true. And the Bible says, let God be true. And every man alive. Amen. So I know there's truth in the world. You know, I know there's truth in the world. And, and we need to stay with what truth is. Just stay with what truth is and you're going to be all right. You are set apart. You're made holy. You are, you are, you are uh, 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 sanctified. That's what the word means, to be made holy, to be set apart. And you're set apart by that truth, which is God's word. And stand on it. Don't be afraid to stand on truth. Don't be afraid to say, well, I might lose my friends. Maybe they need to be lost. Amen. When it comes to compromising truth, you might have to lose some stuff to stay with what truth is. But Paul's told the children of Israel, he's called you out of the world. He's called you out of the world. He's called you out of this world because the world that you are now a part of that may have had a pure beginning. Stay with me now. That may have had a pure beginning has now become perverted. There was nothing wrong with the old law when God gave it to Moses. God's law has always been pure and righteous. It wasn't the law that was the problem. It was the people. People couldn't keep the law. It wasn't because it didn't have authority. It did have authority. In that dispensation, it had authority. In the dispensation of Abraham, the, the, the covenant that Abraham had with God had authority. The covenant that, that, that Isaiah had, with the prophets had with God had authority. Lot had a covenant with God. It had authority. Jacob had a covenant with God. It had authority. Isaac had a covenant with God. It had authority. Adam and Eve had a covenant with God. It has authority. In those dispensations, when God made a covenant with man, it had authority authority but when that dispensation passed and God allowed for a new law to evolve that law became authoritative and so when Paul writes to the church at Rome he reminds them that his prayer to God is that they might be saved for he bear them record he said I'll speak to the truth of the matter that you had a zeal of God but it was not according to knowledge. In other words, somehow along the line of these belief systems, the zeal that you had was not based on the proper authority. Got a whole lot of folk mixing and matching and patching and fixing and sewing in all kinds of different doctrines and belief systems of the world and then want to present it as this is what you need to believe. That's why when Paul told Timothy to preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, he didn't tell him to bring in his philosophy. He said, just preach the word. If people are wanting to believe and follow after God, then they're going to believe the testimony of the seed. 
Because that's the testimony that has authority. But he goes on and says, I bear the record that they have them in Romans 10. If you're not following, there's Romans 10. You can put it in your iPhone and your app and all that stuff and just make sure you're not in, 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 on TikTok and Instagram. That's all. Unless your Bible is in TikTok and Instagram. But he says, brethren, my desire, heart's desire and prayer to God is that you might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of what? Of God's righteousness. Amen. Amen. That's important. But it's so important that I'm going to spend a a moment here. Notice in, in Romans 10 and 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. The English text here has an apostrophe S after the word God, which means it is singular possessive. The righteousness that God is concerned about is not your subjective idealism of righteousness, of what you want righteousness to be. But it is based on what God calls righteous. It's a a singular possessive case. God's righteousness. This righteousness that God is speaking about is the righteousness that belongs to God. And that is so important because, see, when something belongs to somebody else, the only way you can get that which belongs to somebody else is one of two ways. You can steal it or it can be imputed. Woo! I thought that was good. I thought that was good. I was waiting all morning to get that one. Because, see, some folk run around trying to steal God's righteousness. I'm going to steal it and run away with it and make it my own. But God said, wait a minute, hold it. Now, how are you going to take that which is mine and then call it your own? Now, Abraham didn't steal God's righteousness. Abraham was obedient to God as best he could in his humanity. Now, I didn't say Abraham was perfect. But he was doing all he could to the extent where God said he was a friend. And he called him a friend because of something that was very important to us as men. He called Abraham a friend because he said he would lead his family in my way. And it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Lord have mercy. You see, you can either try to steal God's righteousness Amen. Or God can impute it to you. You see. And when God imputes righteousness to you, especially when it comes to the biblical text, God imputed it unto Abraham and said, Abraham, now I'm going to cover you in my righteousness. I'm going to give you my righteousness. Amen. Amen. But then in the New Testament text, God says we can be in, we can be fellow heirs. Join heirs with Christ Jesus because we seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew 6 and 33. And so through our relationship with our big brother Christ, we become heirs and join heirs with Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8. Put that in your notes. And now the spirit makes testimony that we are the children of God. You see? And so we become joint heirs of Christ Jesus. And so now through our, through our airship, we are given 
to be righteous before God. Is that all right? You see, you see that, 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 that idea of righteousness is so important that we ought not to let it go. We, we, have, to, we have to hold on to, 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 to what it means uh, to be righteous before God. That right hand of righteousness is something that is given to you. It is imputed unto you, the right hand of righteousness. Romans chapter 1 and 16, when Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Wait a minute, whose gospel? The gospel of Christ. For it is, not they, not them. There's no plurality there. For it is. Singular. As we read here in Romans 10, God's righteousness. Singular. Possessive case. For it is the power of God unto righteousness. That's what that, 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 is, that is one of the most uh, significant uh, Scripture text, when it comes to understanding how the authority of God influences those who are listening to his word. It is to get them to understand that the the power of God ultimately leads you to salvation, and, 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 and by leading you to salvation, he begins to go back and he says, look, This same idea of the gospel of Christ being the power of God unto salvation, he says to everyone that believeth. And then he says to the Jew first. Wow. To the Jew first. Because they they were identified as the origin of God's peculiar people. To the Jew first. And then he says to the Greek. That means if you weren't a Jew, you were a Greek. Right? In Galatians chapter 3, if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed, heirs, according to the promise, there's no more Jew, nor Greek, nor male, nor female. All are at the same foot of the cross. Because they're all being imputed righteousness if they obey the truth of God's word, the gospel. As Romans 1 and 17 says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live. The just shall live by faith. So Paul says to them in Romans 10, he says, you have a zeal of God. But zeal is not enough. It has to be according to knowledge. You need God's word. You need God's wisdom. Not a wisdom, not a wisdom that's been perverted by the world, but 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 the word of God that shows us how we ought to live, how we ought to grow, how, how we ought to be as Christians. Don't be ignorant of God's righteousness. Paul said, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't be ashamed. And don't be ashamed because all of us 
at one point and still at this point are ignorant of God's will. We're forever learning. We're forever learning. But you know what we're learning from? We're learning from the single source of truth. And where we see where we have fallen short of God's truth, we then correct our behavior. That is, if you will, a manifestation of our learning and growing. And that's why Paul says, uh, Peter and Paul, but Peter primarily, desiring the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. God acknowledges that we all begin at some point in our lives when we are ignorant of his word, but in that ignorance we do not stay. We desire to grow and to learn so that we can become better. So that we can become better. Because until we reach, as Paul would say, That maturity, that maturity, when we ought to be teachers, we ought to be teachers where we have, Hebrews says, where we have exercised, we have taken the word of God and we have put it into use in our lives, where no longer we are babes on milk, but we are now on the meat Because we've exercised the word of God and we have matured in our understanding of God's word. And we've been applying it to our lives. That's what he means by exercise, by reason of use. We've been using God's word to continue to shave off the rough edges of our lives. And let me tell you something. We all have rough edges. But I ain't got no rough edge. See me afterward. I'll tell you what your rough edge is. We all have rough edges. But we use the word of God to shape and to mold us so that we might become, 2 Corinthians 5, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. In in who? In Christ. That's why he calls this the ministry of reconciliation. When you are reconciling something, that means when you first approached it and identified the two halves, the two halves had a difference between them. And and, and in order to reconcile them, you have to bring them together. You need to identify what the gap is between them, and you need to close the gap. You have to reconcile the two together. You know what separates us from God? You know where the gap is? It's called S-I-N. Sin is between you and God. As Isaiah says last Sunday, I'll give it to you again in case you didn't put it in your notes. I think it's something worth studying. As Isaiah says, and Isaiah's name means Jehovah's salvation. That's what Isaiah names me comes from Hoshea, which means the salvation of Jehovah, which where we get Joshua or Hoshea Jeshua or Jeshua Hashiba. And we get that from that, which gives a contraction that eventually gets us to Jesus. Gave you that last Sunday. It is the salvation of God. And these names are so important that we see here that now in Jesus, look what he says. He says his name in Matthew 1, in the gospel according to Matthew, he says that his name shall be called Jesus because he will be, uh, he will save his people from their sins. Wait a minute. Sounds like salvation to me. Sounds like salvation to me. We have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. 
But with that being said, we find ourselves, if you will, still addressing the righteousness that is of God. Singular possessive. It belongs to him. He imputes it unto us and he imputes it unto those who are striving, if you will, to do his will. And if we're going to do his will, you've got to come out of the world. You've got to come out of the world. You can't stay in the world. You can't stay ignorant of God's righteousness. It is the righteousness of God that saves our soul. I'm circling back to Romans chapter 10. I'm leaving that and I'm coming back to Romans chapter 10. I got I to move here. And so in, in Romans 10 and 3, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own right. See, 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 there are people who subjectively want to determine what they want righteousness to be. But you can't. Be, look, even if you try to do it, it can't save you. It doesn't lead to salvation. You, you can, it, it, it can, it can, you, look, you can put all the whistles and bells on it that you can find. But it's still not going to lead to salvation. Amen. Amen. It may look good, smell good, but you can put perfume on a pig. Uh, uh, did I say that out loud? Let me see. Don't say out loud. Oh, okay. Now, you can still put perfume on a pig, but, but that's not going to make it cease from being a pig. It's still a pig. Amen. And you leave it long enough, it's going to go right back to where it came from. Amen. The Bible says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness are going about, they're going about to establish their own, their own righteousness. Having have not submitted, submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. You see? For verse number four, Romans 10 and four says, for Christ is the end of the law of what? For righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law. That the man which does those things shall live by them, but the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thy heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up again from the dead. But what saith this? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith. Which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that the Lord Jesus and that and, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Righteousness leads to salvation. But it can't be your own righteousness. It must be the righteousness that is of God. It must be God's righteousness. And that righteousness that is of God is the gospel. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With this heart. With this heart man believeth unto righteousness. Because see with this heart. With this heart there is the ability to critique, to discern, to rightly divide. Amen. Amen. To rightly divide the word of truth with this heart. Because a lot of people, when they see heart, they want to they grab this the chest and, and say, well, I just believe God is in my heart. Well, let me tell you something. The only thing that needs to be going through this heart is blood. 
The only one you, that's the only thing you need to be in that one. But this hard, this hard, 1 Peter 3, 15, God says, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart, being ready to give an answer to every man that asketh of you the reason of the hope that's within you with meekness and fear. When God is in this heart, your spiritual heart, the one that discerns, the one that rationalizes, the one that thinks, that's the one that God, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. This heart has no idea what it means to be, be ignorant or foolish. This heart knows nothing of those things. By the way, it, 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 newsflash, this heart knows nothing of love. It knows nothing of hate. It knows nothing of jealousy. It knows nothing of envy. It knows nothing of anything. This heart is what loves. This heart is what hates. This heart is what has jealousy. This heart is what has envy. This heart has lust. This heart is as lasciviousness and all kinds of evil concupiscence. This heart. This heart has nothing to do with that. Matter of fact, if it could speak, it probably said, why y'all blaming me for all that stuff? I only had one job. They only gave me one job. Why? This heart. Because God says, sanctify the Lord God in this heart. And guess what? Isn't it interesting that the same place that evil comes from is the same place that God says that's where you need to sanctify him? Amen. Woo! If this is where darkness is, guess where you want God? I want God right here. Amen. Because I want the light to shine forth in this darkness. Man. And so we see that, that we, we, we have this, and, and, and he says, for with thine heart man believeth unto righteousness. God doesn't want you to be ignorant. He doesn't want you to follow after something foolishly. Look, investigate God's word. He expects for you to do that. When he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's not telling you to blindly follow after something. He's saying, search it out. Make sure you know that what it is is true. Lord have mercy. Remember Acts chapter 17 when Paul was in Athens, he was he, uh, uh, a Berean. And, 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 and the text says that he, he went in, into the synagogue of the, of the Jews. Amen. And he began to open and allege and reason with them that Jesus is the Christ. Lord have mercy. When, when you open in an alleging and reason, that means somebody having some discussion. Challenging what one may believe about something. Showing the counter argument based on God's word. Not kind of argument in some combative situation, but simply exposing truth versus error. You know, nowadays people say, oh, I can believe what I want to believe in, and you can believe what you want to believe in, and we'll let God sort it out at the end. Well, guess what? I would hate to be the one being sorted out on the wrong end. Because we're not talking about uh, whether or not someone uh, is awarded uh, some material thing or not awarded some material thing. When you lose this argument, it's a life or death situation. Amen. And we're talking about spiritual life or everlasting life and, and, and everlasting damnation. You see, it is the, 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 uh, the, the penalty is too high for you to lose this argument. 
coming back from it. If you reject God's word, and then death comes upon you, and you don't close that gap, if you're not reconciled unto God, if you die in your sin, where he is, you cannot come. You see, the, the, the repercussion and consequences are, are too grave for you not to search it out, for you not to discern the truth, for you not to investigate it. Yes, you need to open up the word of God and read it. Stoop down, James says, and stay long. He that looketh into the perfect law of liberty, see what manner of man that you are based on the word of God. And be a doer of the word. The work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. You see, Christianity is not a, uh, a, uh, a sport that you can sit on the sideline. You got to get in the game. Oh, yeah. Didn't y'all know that Christianity is a contact sport? Y'all didn't know that? All these examples in the Bible where he talks about the Grecian games and the Athenian games, and, and you didn't know that Christianity wasn't a contact sport? Let me tell you something. When you choose to become a Christian, the devil going to make sure you take some hits. Hey, he knows. And sometimes, look, sometimes he gets a lick in. May cause you to lose your balance. Amen. When you're striving to be the righteousness of God, the devil's going to make sure that he's going to challenge whether or not you truly believe what, it, what you say you believe. You don't think this pandemic caused some hits? Amen. Faith being tested. Your weakness of faith, you, your weakness of faith goes back to the things of the devil and the things of the devil. See, look, see, look, he said he was going to take care of you. Look what he's doing. Look, look what he's doing. Trying to make God look bad. God said, you better not be focusing on the pandemic. You better be focused on my faith. Because heaven and earth going to pass away. But my word shall never pass away. And guess what? Newsflash. We all dying of something. But it ain't the fact that we dying or something. The question is whether or not you're going to live eternally. Fear not him who can destroy the body. But fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Now we do what we need to do to make sure that we take advantage of the resources that God has given us to take advantage of. I'm going to get my booster shot. But my trust is in the Lord. Because my faith is in God. You see, that booster can't save my soul. It may be able to preserve my body, but it can't save my soul. Lord, help us all. In Romans chapter 10, as I make my way back to Hebrews, in verse number 11, after he says, look, in verse number 10, he says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. You see, we're not ashamed of the Lord, but we are ashamed of sin. And so we seek to be reconciled back to God because of the testimony uh, of Christ. Back in Hebrews chapter 1, 
So he goes, this is the father. And the father is, is, is making uh, uh, testimony through the writings of the Hebrews text to show that we are called out of something. The Hebrews were called out of Judaism. They went about trying to establish their own righteousness instead of submitting themselves to the righteousness of God. I wanted that to be very clear because, see, when he says you're called out of, out of uh, the Hebrews are being called out of something, they weren't being called out of that which was righteous before God. They were called out of that which was unrighteous before God, which was their own righteousness. You see, people have gone about trying to establish their own righteousness instead of submitting themselves to the righteousness of God. And so the necessity of the Hebrew text was to show those who had come out of the, 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 the perversion of Judaism to show them that here is what you have obeyed. You've obeyed the truth of God's word, the Christianity, the, 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 the significance of Christianity, the truth of God's word. You've obeyed the gospel. So be ashamed of the, the wrong things, but don't be ashamed of God. Hebrews chapter 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. And remember what we said last time. The, the high priests of the Old Testament were the types of Christ. The kings of the lineage of David were types of Christ. The prophets, the faithful, righteous prophets were the true prophets were the types of Christ. And so we, they were seat warmers until Christ comes. And so Christ becomes the high priest. Christ becomes the prophet. Christ becomes the king of kings and lord of lords. Are you with me? Amen. And so he says, but God spake unto the fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken unto us by his son. Why? Because his son is the one that has authority. That's important because a lot of people are attributing their belief systems to individuals that they have identified as divine authoritative beings as if they are con going to contradict or will contradict Christ. If the Holy Spirit is telling you to do something that is in conflict with what Christ has said, that ain't the spirit that is of heaven. <laughs> it may be a spirit of Jack Daniels. But it ain't the spirit of heaven. Because the spirit of truth, as John chapter 16 and 13 helps us understand, only speaks that which has come from Christ. So you can't have the Holy Spirit saying to contradict something that is not of Christ. And you're not going to say, I have Christ, but then, uh, then contradict that which is of God the Father. Because these three agree in one. That's 1 John chapter and so he goes on and says, look, so has in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. I'm glad he put plural there because a lot of folks think they're going to run to the moon. I have to worry about God anymore, I guess. Well, if I, if I can just get to Pluto, I won't have to worry about God no more. Lord have mercy. Get to Pluto, guess what? God made Pluto. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God made Pluto. Okay, I'm trying to figure out whether y'all believe in the word of God or not. Amen. Yeah, I don't care what galaxy you get to. God made that too. Verse number three. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, that is a representation of God, the Father, and upholding all things by the Son. 
uh, I'm sorry, and upholding all things by the word of his power, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Being made so much better, and this is more powerful than you may want to think. Being made so much better than the angels, plural. As he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Excellent name means authority. Now, the reason why I, I want you to see this idea of angels here is because there are many religions that uses the authority of angels over Christ. Pray to this angel and pray to that angel and pray to those. Look, they cannot, whomever this angel may be, usurp the authority of God. So why are you praying to them? And if that wasn't helpful, and it may even sound a little dogmatic, but sometimes the truth is dogmatic. And I know sometimes it, 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 look, the word of God is meant to challenge your belief system. That's what it's meant to do. Because God wants to save your soul. And let me tell you something. The stronghold of the devil doesn't give up its captives easily. You have to break down. The images and the imaginations that are in your heart. And the only way you can break it down, you can't break it down with philosophy. You can't break it down with poetry. You can't break it down with theology. You have to break it down with truth. That's what Paul tells us in 2, Timothy 10, 2 Corinthians 10. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty through God. The pulling down of strongholds and imaginations. When one has gone about to establish their own righteousness, it is a righteousness that they have imagined. And maybe you have been, maybe you have been conditioned to believe in those belief systems. And when you've been conditioned to believe in those belief systems, only the truth of God's word can break down that wall. And that's why when Paul says in Romans chapter 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto, unto salvation. The word power there, as many of you know, but the word power there comes from a Greek word that means dunamis. It's a different word, if you will, than, than, than the one that we find in Matthew 28, 18, which deals with the issue of authority in specific, the, uh, the overarching rule of law in Matthew 28 18 if you will all power has been given unto me in heaven and in earth that is the overarching power and authority of, of that which uh, that which belongs to Christ in the interim but will eventually be back in the hands of the father in the in the in the in the, in the infinite and the permanent first Corinthians 15 and 24 he must reign until all things are put under his feet and then he will be given back that which he had given to Christ and once again God the father will be over all in all so the authority will once again return to God Matthew 28 18 but in Romans 1 and 16 when he uses the word power there he's talking about the Greek word dunamis and the word dunamis there means dynamite it needs to blow up some stuff gotta tear down the imaginations and belief systems that are contrary to God's way and it takes let me tell you something when someone's been conditioned through the things of the word it takes dynamite, the spiritual dynamite, to tear down those imaginations, those belief systems, so that one can stop seeking their own righteousness 
and start seeking the righteousness that is of God. So in the Hebrew text, Paul goes on and says, look. He sits at the right hand of majesty on high, being so much better than the angels. Because if, if, if individuals are walking around saying, you know, uh, 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 well, you know, an angel spoke to me and an angel spoke to me and told me to go pick up a gun and to go into this place and kill all the sinning people. I want to know where that authority is. Amen. Because there's another word that I have for that one. Amen. And some of the police in here probably say, well, you, when someone f starts talking like that, you call 5150. Amen. You call somebody to pick them up. Right? Because that is not how God's word teaches. There's no authority for that. Amen. But an angel spoke to me. Well, that angel, whatever it was, was not of God. Amen. It's, it's, you, you have to, and, and so these things are important because people need to understand that God's word is about salvation. He's not about destruction. God wishes none to perish, but that all should come unto repentance. And when God decides, when God gets done with this world, he will separate the sheep from the goat. Amen. Amen. He will thrust in his sickle. And he will separate the chaff from the wheat and the sheep from the goat. And if judgment begins first at the house of God, then where shall the unrighteous and the godly, uh, ungodly shall appear? Because if the righteous scarcely be saved. You see, God is the one that deals with salvation. So if, if so, so, so some voice or, 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 or some angel or, or whatever people are trying to attribute uh, uh, to, to, to their actions, amen, is not based on what God has said. It's amazing how people want to blame God for stuff to go on. Amen. amen. If you wicked, you wicked. Leave God out of it. But that's the, that's the way the world works, right? The devil wants to label God and defame him for the things that people do and the choices uh, that they have made. Let me show you an example as we we make that point, I think, even more clear. In Galatians chapter 3, uh, uh, before we get to Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 1, I overlooked the, the text I need to get here. So in Galatians chapter 1, uh, we, we find Paul writing to the churches of Galatia, and, 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 and he's letting them know who they have believed and, and what they have become a part of, just like the Hebrew text. And just like Romans chapter 8 and 10, as you see on your screen, if, you be, if, if Christ be in you, uh, uh, the body is dead uh, uh, because of sin, but the spirit of, uh, of life uh, because of, uh, of righteousness. In Galatians, we find Paul writing to the churches of Galatia, and look what he says. Paul, an apostle. Galatians chapter 1, verse number 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ. In other words, you can't become an apostle because you want to be one. You have to become an apostle based on how Christ has authorized you to be an apostle. And guess what? That's why we know there's no apostles in the world today. Because in Acts chapter 1, when God said you're an apostle, you had to have seen Jesus from the beginning. And if you didn't see him from the beginning, I mean with your own eyes. I ain't talking about in your dream after you woke up from your stupor. That's why we know there are no apostles in the world today. But nevertheless, he says, well, of Jesus Christ and God the Father. Amen. 
Uh, and I like that because even Jesus Christ understood that his authority to make someone an apostle was already affirmed by the Father. Amen. See, that's powerful. Ain't that powerful? Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys didn't know that Jesus was talking to the Father through this whole process? Do you all remember the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross? Who did he go speak to? He was talking to the Father. If it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. But let not my will be done, but let thy will be done. Jesus was following after the authority of the Father through this whole process. So you can't go run and get jaw and throw away Christ. And somebody said, what is jaw? There are individuals who want to call God jaw because they don't want to call him Jehovah. Anyway, they want to cast away the authority that is in Christ by trying to supersede him or ignore him and put someone else in place of him or to say that the angels have authority like him, all of this stuff. But only the testimony of the seed show us that Christ has authority and the father who has all supreme authority has authenticated his word. That's what Hebrews 1 lets us know. But back in Galatians. He goes on and says, look, in uh, 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 verse number two, one and two. And the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace to you, be to you, and from God the Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you know, Jesus is a father, and the father is Jesus, and the father and Jesus is the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's kind of complex to believe when you're reading scripture like this. There are three that beareth record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. That tells me that these are three distinct divine beings. The Godhead is a representation of these three distinct divine beings. And each of them agree in one. That would be kind of self-serving for him to be manifested or to manifest himself in three different kinds of existence and then say, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, the three of us agree in one. Well, if you're the same person that has manifested itself in three different kinds of existence, that's, that, that's kind of, don't you think that's kind of self-serving? But there are doctrines that teach people that. Anyway, these are three different divine beings. The Father has ultimate authority and will have ultimate authority once again once Christ has all things put under his feet. All right, and so grace, grace be to you and peace from our, uh, God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present, what? evil world according to the will of God and our father to whom be God I'm sorry glory forever and ever amen you see amen why because they agree I marvel I'm amazed Paul says to the Galatians that you are so soon removed from him that called you how by the gospel Into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. You see, there's, there's a recognition that individuals have established their own belief systems. And a lot of people are being lost in it. Even the Galatians who had an apostle endowed with the Holy Spirit of God with all the miraculous gifts that God would ordain. Even during that time, there are still those who would, who would reject this authority and follow after the things of the world. 
But what you find here is that he says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from the him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Another gospel, some other teaching, some other belief system. Which is not another. Lord have mercy. I said enough right there for everybody to obey the gospel who, doesn't know, who, who hasn't obeyed it before. In other words, he lets you know there's no other gospel that's going to save you. There's no other religious belief system that's going to save you. There's not another. There's only one gospel, and that is the gospel of Christ. It is the only one that has authority, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would do what? Pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, and here's where I wanted you to be as I talked about angels, right? And those who want to attribute some level of authority of, uh, to angels that supersede the testimony of the one seed, which is Christ. Paul said, this ain't the first time I've heard this story about folk following after angels, folk praying to angels, folk creating their own angels. He said, but though we or an angel from heaven now, this may be a little bit sarcastic, but he's making, it, he's making it plain. Even if you believe that this angel came from heaven. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which, ye have than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. In other words, angels don't have authority over Christ. They don't have authority over Christ. Christ has the authority. We don't follow after spirits that speak things that are contrary to God. We don't follow after angels that speak things contrary to God. We don't try to associate the Father and separate him from the Son. And we don't try to associate the Son and separate him from the Father. And we don't try to separate the Father and the Son from the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't have one of all three, you have none of them. Even none of them. I wish I had time to come back to that. Uh, but I, I, have to, I have to move here, so I'm just going to read the next two verses. I'm going to be done here. In Galatians 1 and 9, he says, As we said before, so I say now again, if any man preach any, uh, uh, any, if any, man preach any other gospel uh, uh, unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. I want you to see two things. Here, because you may have missed it. If, if, if you don't spend time, sometimes you read over things. Notice that in verse number eight, he says, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. In verse number nine, he says, as, I, as we said before, so say I now again, if any man. Woo! Wait a second now. You got folk who want to attribute a gospel to a divine being as well as attributing a gospel to a human being. Whoa, so you probably never saw that before. But you see it now. I don't care if he claims to be an angel 
or some eloquent, charismatic man, if his gospel is not according to the word of God, let him be accursed. See, before you probably say, oh, this is the same thing. Oh, no, it isn't. He's giving you where the authority is. Christ has been made both Lord in heaven and the earth. Matthew 16 and 18. I got to close. Lord, Lord have mercy. We got plenty. If God blesses us, we'll, we'll deal with the rest of this over the next three, three Sundays, and we'll close out. But let me tell you something. I'll end right here. This is a good place to end, too. Because remember, in Matthew 16 and 18, what does Christ say about the church? When he go, I want you to go there. Aunt Junior, Junior, get for me Matthew 16 and 18. I don't care if you're on your iPhone, iPad, whatever. Wherever you got your text, go ahead and read it. If you have it tactile in the book, roll there, too. Amen. As long as it's the word of God, you'll be all right. Amen. Because I know some of, our, some of our young people, they want to use all kinds of electronic devices. Amen. I never understood. Why, why you get an Apple iWatch with the same stuff that's in your pocket on your phone? <laughs> it's, it's, it's your money spending like you want to do. But Matthew 16 and verse number 17, start there. What does the Bible say? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, sign of Barjona, flesh and blood. Wait a minute, what? For flesh and blood. Uh-huh. Read. Uh-huh. Now go back to verse number 16. Let's find out what the question is about. I'm sorry, 15. 15 to 16. I said 16. He said unto them, but whom say ye that he's talking to the apostles? He's talking to the, to the disciples. Because look, there are those who say, who, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? That's what Christ says in verse number 14. Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Because, see, a lot of people want to attribute Christ to just one of the prophets and, and just a regular man who's been divinely blessed. And, 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 and you know, and, and, and he may just be another one of the high priests. And, and they see, they want to, they want, he's just another angel. And, and see, they want to belittle his authority. Because they don't want to follow after it. They want to create their own righteousness. And so Jesus says, now that you, they, they're saying all this stuff, read it again. But whom say ye that I am? And then Simon had a word. But wait a minute. Simon said, Simon Peter, Simon Barjona. He says, who do you say that I am? Now know something here. Remember, don't miss Galatians chapter 1. I just, I just went over it. I'm making a connection here. Because he says, if an angel from heaven or a man preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. Is that not right? That's what he said. And so Christ is asking his disciples, those who are following after God, amen, following after Christ. You see? That's why when we talk about book, chapter, and verse, we're not saying that just to be, you know, just to appear to be intellectual and articulate. We're saying it because this is where the authority is. You see? And so Peter says, read. Uh-huh. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're just not one of the angels. You're just not some of the man divinely blessed. You're not just another one of the prophets like Muhammad. You know, you, you, you know. No. He's the son of God. 
He's the son of God that has all authority. Right? And not once, not once, not once did Christ ever attribute himself as being, if you will, the father. He didn't attribute to, to himself being the father, nor has he ever attributed himself as being over the father. Not once. So when people say, well, you know, the Pope is, 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 called, is to be called Big Papa. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. There's a problem here. Because the idea of Pope is the Father. Wait a minute now. Even Christ didn't attribute himself to being the Father. Y'all with me? I'm trying to help us here. We're talking about the testimony of the seed. That has been authenticated by the Father. And not once has the seed who has all authority made himself equal to the Father in that sense or above the Father. But in fact, they said, once everything is put under my feet, under my feet, I'm going to give it back to him. Because it belongs to him. I'm going to present to him a glorious church without having spot, wrinkle, or blemish, or any such thing. Present unto him the kingdom, because the Father is above all. Amen. But come on, read, come on, read. Thou, Simon, by Jonah, Peter, Peter, read. Let's start thou, Simon, by Jonah. Uh-huh. Flesh and, Flesh and blood is not revealed this unto thee. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. How did, how did Peter come into this wisdom? How did Peter come into this knowledge? How did he come into this understanding? It is because the Father gave it to him. And John says, for they shall all be taught of God. When we're talking about what truth is, when we're talking about what the church is, when we're talking about what salvation is, when we're talking about what righteousness is, we are coming from the word of God. And that's why John chapter 12 in verse number 48 is so powerful. For I have not uh, uh, spoken of myself, but whatsoever the Father gave me to speak, that I spoke. Simon Barjona, Peter said this, and this authority. Well, you know, Jesus just that was, you know, Jesus came build his own church, and and and, and guess what? You know what? In, in 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 essence, I'm going to say I agree with you that Jesus needed authority to build the church. And guess what? Since Jesus needed authority to build the church, what does that say about you? You follow me? If Jesus needed authority to build the church, what did I say about your authority? Because Jesus says, look, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee. I don't care if you go and get a incorporation paper from the state of California. That doesn't make you the church. I'll make you the church. Governor doesn't have power to make you a church. Amen. Woo! I might have to have some security guards after this sermon. I'll make you the church. We need to come out of the world and let God speak. Let the testimony of God be true and every man a liar. Amen. And guess what? He didn't tell Peter to go run to Rome, Italy, and find out whether or not he could build a church either. He said, blessed art thou, fire me, Barjona. Flesh and blood is not revealed this unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. Read. And I say also unto thee, and I say also unto thee that, thou that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, 
And upon this rock, I will build my church. What rock is he speaking about? He's talking about the authority upon which Christ, the, the, the father rather, has given Christ as being the son of God. It's a great confession that thou art the son of God. Right? That is the great confession. When Philip asked the Ethiopian eunuch, if thou believest thou mayest, the Ethiopian eunuch went to be baptized. And, and, and the eunuch comes back and says, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. It's a great and noble confession. Because that's where the authority is. I am baptized because I believe that Jesus had the authority to go to the cross and to shed his blood simply because the Bible teaches that he said, let not thy will, but but, but my will, but thy will be done. And God's will, the Father's will, was for Jesus to go to the cross to shed his blood so that those who are baptized will have the remission of sin. The authority is in the blood of Christ. Not in any blood. Not the blood of animals and bulls and turtle doves and goats, which was part of the old law. But the precious blood of Jesus. It has the authority to cleanse you from all your passion. I'm getting y'all ready for Bible class next year. We, 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 we ran, I got to get you guys used to be staying here a longer time. Come on, read. Now, now, now here he goes. He says, upon this rock. Upon that authority, upon that, upon that testimony that you just made, that Jesus is the son of God. He said, I'm going to build my church. Because, look, everyone that comes into the church must confess that Jesus is the son of God. Amen. Romans 10 and 9, with the mouth we confess Christ Jesus. Romans 10 and 10, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Amen. Upon that rock, upon that confession, I'm going to build my church. When people get to the point where they have faith in God's word, so then faith comes in hearing by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When they get to that point where they want to make that noble confession that Jesus Christ is the son of God, they have presented themselves ready to go down to the water grave of baptism. Why? Because that's what the authority says. That's what the authority says. And so when they come to the water grave of baptism, he said they're coming to the water grave of baptism because that has authority upon this rock. I will build my church. When Acts chapter 2 and verse 37 through 47 says that they that were being baptized were being added to the body, added to them, added to the church. Why? Because that added means I was building my church based on those confessions and them being baptized. Are y'all with me? We're talking about salvation here now. We're at the end of this year. You know, this is the end of the game. We don't know when Jesus is coming back, but but we know he's coming because he's promised that he's going to come. And he says, when I come, shall I find faith upon the earth? Because those who are faithful unto death will receive a crown of life that fadeth not away. Romans, Revelations 2 and 10. All right, come on and read. He says, upon this rock, I mean, uh, uh, upon that rock, I will build my church. Read. All right, now, 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 now we're back to grammatical construction here. Remember, he said God's righteousness, apostrophe S, singular possessive, right? In this text, you find something very powerful. Because in this text, you find him saying, upon this rock, I will build my church. That is first person 
singular, possessive case. I'm not building Peter's church. I'm not building Paul's church. I'm not building Luther's church. I'm not building Calvin's church. I'm building my church. Because God has given me authority to build the church. And look what he says. First person singular. My. Possessive case. Church. My church. The church of me. Is a literal Greek translation. The church of me. And if it's the church of me. That sounds like the church of Christ. Oh really? Because Romans 16 and 16 says salute one another. With a holy kiss. And the churches of Christ. Salute you. Here little, there little. Precept upon precept, line upon line. Word of God is succinct. You just got to learn how to rightly divide it. But the authority was given to Christ to build the church. And he says, I'm going to build the church of me. My church. And look what he says. And this is, this is, this is even more powerful. And, well, not more powerful. Just as powerful. When he says, I'm going to build my church. I'll read the next verse. And the gates of hell. Now, now, you got to get that. Because what, what Christ has just said is hell is real. Look, if hell ain't real, ain't no sense of it having no gates. <laughs> hell is real. Somebody going to hell. That's why you shouldn't be telling people to go there. Sometimes y'all say that stuff and act like, oh, I'm just saying that. Right, let me tell you, hell ain't for play play. Hell's real. And somebody gonna go there. So you don't have to send them prematurely. He says, the gates of hell shall not, those are powerful words, shall not, which, which means it doesn't have a chance shall not prevail against it. Now, it, once again, singular. Not them, it. In other words, if you are not a part of it, which is my church, which is the church of Christ, that means that you have a problem. And the problem's called gates. And those gates lead somewhere. And that somewhere is hell. Uh, look, that's book, chapter, and verse. Upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That means that anything else is going to have some problems. Because it, hasn't, it doesn't have authority. It doesn't have authority. You know one thing? That, that is so powerful for us is, is our faith, right? Because you got to hold on to that. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a reward of those that diligently seek him. And so when we're seeking the righteousness of God, 
We're talking about a fulfillment of our faith. And that's why the devil, the devil doesn't want your house. The bank might want your house, but the devil don't want your house. Amen. The devil don't want your house, right? Devil don't want your wife. Some other man might want her, but the devil don't want your wife. And some of y'all attribute that man to being the devil, but he might be devilish, but he ain't the devil. Yeah, sister's over here laughing. Some woman might want your husband, but that don't make her the devil. Y'all might call her something else, but I'll just say devilish. But that don't make her the devil. You see, because the devil ain't concerned about your husband. The devil ain't concerned about your wife. The devil ain't concerned about your material possessions. The devil was willing to give all that stuff up to Jesus for one thing. Bow down and worship me. The devil ain't concerned about any of that stuff. You know what the devil's concerned about? Your soul. That's the only thing the devil's concerned about. And he knows that if he can get you to question your faith, he's got your soul. That's all he cares about. Can I get them to question their faith? Can I get them to doubt their faith? Brother Cobra, you've got to give us an example for that. I'm giving you examples for that. There's a whole book of that. And it's called the book of Job. Devil wasn't concerned about his cattle. He wasn't concerned about his daughters and his sons and his wife and his friends. Devil wasn't concerned about any of that stuff. Devil was concerned about one thing, that he was following after God, his faith. It's the only thing the devil was concerned about. And the devil said, if you didn't have, if you didn't give him all that stuff, then he would, he would bow down and worship. He wouldn't bow down and worship. Anyway, I got to close. But he said, the gates of hell should not prevail against it. And then he associates the church, those who would be called the good seed. Remember, Matthew 13 said, the good seed are the children of the kingdom. And the church is the kingdom. And the kingdom is the church. Let's read the next verse and we're done. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth. You see, whatever, whatever Peter and the other apostles were to say, it was already supposed to be bound in heaven. Past tense. Right? Already bound in heaven. In other words, you can't make up something. What you do is what you do is repeat that which has already been authorized. Whatsoever you bind, present tense on the earth, shall already be bound in heaven. Don't be making up your own stuff. Just deliver the mail. That's all you do. Just deliver the mail. Don't be trying to write your own letter. Deliver the mail. The Holy Spirit inspired these men to write what God wanted written. They didn't write what they wanted to write. They wrote what they were authorized to write. And when they got, and look, I know this for the case. I know this is true. This is not just assertion. This is true because in Revelations, when the angel of God, the, the, in, in the form of Christ, finished speaking to John, he told John, write no more. Close the book. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for the instruction of righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and 
thoroughly furnished unto all work, all good works. Instructions in righteousness. So we come to this conclusion. The kingdom is 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 used synonymously with church. And so when people say I'm waiting for the kingdom to come, they're missing the point. The kingdom's already here. Because the kingdom is the church. And Jesus is going to deliver up the kingdom, 1 Corinthians 15 and 24, unto the Father. And so he says, I'm going to give you the keys unto the kingdom. Now remember, the keys are not physical. The keys are spiritual. And those spiritual keys is a representation of God's word. It is the truth of God's word. That's the keys. Because when Peter went forward and preached the gospel, when the apostles that were authorized went forward and preached the gospel, they were using those keys, those spiritual keys, to teach people about the word of God. So Matthew 28 and 18, when he says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth, uh, Go ye therefore and preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And he that believeth not shall be damned. So God wants you to be saved this morning. Those same spiritual keys that was causing people to come and to obey the gospel in Acts chapter 2 and 37 through 47 through the water of grave baptism, those are the same keys I used all morning. The same spiritual teachings to help you understand that you need to be saved. And this is not based on my authority. This is based on Christ's authority. I didn't write the letter. I'm delivering the mail. I'm delivering the mail. And I pray that you receive it. Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, he says I, 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 I deliver unto you, I present unto you the gospel, which I have received, and wherein you stand. Paul understood it. Paul said, I received the same spiritual word. I received the same teaching. And that's what I obeyed. And that's what God wants you to obey. And so I pray that you'll come this morning. Romans 10 and 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I've given you book, chapter, and verse, and I pray that you believe it. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith, it's possible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a reward of those that diligently seek him. Matthew 6 and 33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. If you want to become the righteousness of God, if you want to be imputed the righteousness of God, you must let Christ be in you. And the only way that that's going to happen is through the water and gave baptism. It's time for you to come. Luke 13, 3 and 5 says, I tell you nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And God doesn't want you to perish. He wants you to be saved. One day with God is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like one day. Wishing unto parents that it all should come unto repentance. God wants you to be saved. God wants you to be saved. And then there are those who recognize that they need to confess Jesus Christ to be the Son of God. Romans 10 and 9, with the mouth we confess Christ Jesus. Romans 10 and 10, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Then you go down to the watery grave of baptism and the spirit of God. Romans 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you might have the man putting you in the water, but it is the spirit taking care of the baptism. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, which is that one church, which is that one kingdom. 
Ephesians chapter 1, verses 21 through 22, Christ has been made head of the church, which is his body. So when you're baptized into the body, you're baptized into the church, and you're baptized into the kingdom, because all three of them are synonymous, they're one and the same. Why don't you come right now, won't you obey the gospel before it's everlasting, eternally too late, as we stand and sing the invitational song, why don't you come? No longer to linger, charmed by the world, delight in things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. You know that I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free, in Jesus' greatest, highest, I will. Savior, leaving my sin and strife. He is the true one. He is the just one. He hath the words of life. You know that I will hasten to him. Hasten so glad and free. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to Son so glad and free, so glad and free. And Jesus.